service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. Muhammad Ali. Life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Martin Luther King. There is no higher religion than human service. To work for the common good is the greatest creed. Woodrow Wilson. The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Gandhi. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection. I'm Joe Kumzeski with Tyler Weeb, And I wanted Tyler to talk about something that seems very esoteric and weird for our bodybuilding and, and high health fitness fanatic kind of crowd. But I hope you see how this relates. And it's the topic of just service to others, a mindset of being somebody who wants to give more than we receive. And, you know, here's kind of how this came about in in this week in the U.S., it, at the time of us recording this, it's, it was a midterm election year. And so you start seeing all this hype and all this marketing, different political parties and factions and personalities. And there are definitely some people who get into public service because they really want to make the world a better place. They, 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 they have some sort of connection to their community, their state, their government, and they really want to do something good. Other people are just shitty snakes who want the power, the prestige. They want the levers of control. And, you know, it's it's an interesting dichotomy between the individual goals and needs that we may all feel for self-preservation and advancement, and then the social collective kind of needs. You know, we talk about those two sides of the coin all the time, personal psychology, social psychology. And, and what a stark difference when we look at it in those terms. So from my perspective, you know, I, I want to definitely hit on some of the deepest anthropological roots of that, why we are a social species that does have a, a strong anchor in service to each other. And then yet, you know, what, what does that really mean for us personally? Why, why is that the better path to take? So I'm curious when when I brought up this topic, what what your initial thoughts were. I mean, I think I, I would guess maybe a lot of people also would go this way too is uh, servant leadership, and how much you just kind of hear of that as you know really kind of being that gold standard, you know, as as a leader. Well, you know, and I think we can go. There's different hierarchies of leaders and and whatnot, but I think overall, what you're going to really find and, and see is that. It's those who, you know, truly do, you know, have that servant attitude of like, what can I do for you to make you better? And like, personally, myself, like, in jobs I've been at, like, I've been, a, I've seen both sides of the coin. I've seen a a, a leader who <laughs> his own words called himself an alpha male. And he was, he, like, he was the owner of this business and like the boss. And I've had then others where it is literally, you know, what can I do for you? And they are then typically the hardest working ones in the room, or they are doing, you know, the, the shit work without even, you know, volunteer or they're volunteering to do all that kind of work. And so I can tell you definitely with personal experience, one is going to be a lot more motivating than the others in the sense of, I think, just having this collectiveness that we're all working towards this same goal together. And we're kind of all pulling on the rope together. And there's not necessarily 
one who is better than the other because we're all kind of coming up together, you know, to whatever that goal might be. So let me let me take you all the way back to like the Mesopotamian Valley where the first uh, archaeological findings of written language were 6,500 or so years ago. And even prior to that, if that's when we created the first alphabet and the the visually heuristic way of of communicating, there obviously were many, many iterations prior to that where you're communicating with body language, with other articulations of some sort. And we see that even in primates today, you know, it's famously, you know, reciprocal grooming and things like that, that create a social hierarchy, uh, you know, alpha males, as you mentioned, in a chimpanzee or baboon or even gorilla troop end up being elevated, not just because they're so dominant, but because all of the other people in the community, people, primates, uh um, <laughs> even yeah, beta males exactly. Um, you know they they allow it to happen because any small group of others could take down one person, and they often do when that one becomes dominant. So there has to be some level of social reciprocation, and and it it's not complicated. Like let's look at your own life. I'll give you one example. I thought of uh, somebody that I train with once in a while in my own facility. He had seen me, heard about me in social media. And, you know, found out like, holy crap, this guy's right here in my own town in Evansville. So he invites me to lunch. And it's one of those things where it's, you know, I, I put him off, put him off, put him off because kind of an introvert and just, you know, I just, I just do that. I, no, I know what no, you mean. Yeah, no, <laughs> no other explanation needed. I just, I just turned people down uh, for no other reason than that. But he was persistent. And so we finally went out to lunch and, you know, we become friends. And now he's the kind of guy even when I was just rehabbing my daughter's first home to help her move in and I'm, I'm sanding the floors, I'm doing all kinds of things. He stopped over after work, grabbed a paintbrush and just started helping like, like for no reason. That's nothing you need to do other than you're my friend. I want to help. And, and when you can create that kind of goodwill with other people, your whole life is going to be filled with a whole lot of friends and a whole lot of depth in, in relationships that are, so much more than just transactional. And, and I think, like I said, all you have to do is look at those closest people to you and you can see evidence of what service really does for us. Yeah, like there's a there's a, um, an authenticity to it when there is someone who is out there, like the, you know, the, the friend that you mentioned, uh, you know, by, as you were talking about him, it reminded me of my father-in-law. He is someone like that, that is drop of a hat there to do anything for you. No questions asked type of thing. And just has that sincerity of just caring and, and just having that type of personality. And it's so, you almost say like it's calming and it's, it's, you know, that you don't have to put on a front for that type of person because you know they don't come with an agenda of wanting to extract something out of you in in the sense of like, you know, in a negative way, right? And I think when you have that reciprocation, it is so much easier to give back and want to, to do more. It's almost like it, it feeds on itself in a way of, oh, okay, like, I know where that person's coming from. You see them act in this way and you just see how 
how positive it is. And I think it, there's almost like that rub off effect, like when you're having that interaction. You know, there are so many sports examples of this, but I remember distinctly watching a clip of a special Olympics. So think of a hundred meter sprint. That's what this was on a track. And you have down syndrome, children, other children with, with disabilities. And, you know, here they are at the, the special Olympics and they're running down the track gun goes off. You, you get halfway down the track, three fourths of the way. And one person is pulling away. And then another child falls down that person who was breaking away to win that special needs child turns around, picks up that person who fell and carries him together to the finish line. Like, I mean, that's the example of service to others. When you win, when you help other people win. And as cliche as that sounds, go go back to, you know, some of those first beginnings of societal groups and relationships even forming. Um, it didn't have to be that way. It just, and it still doesn't. You have families, you mentioned companies where the culture is cutthroat. It's every man and woman for him or herself. Uh, there are even anthropological studies. There's a, a famous comparison of the the mountain people versus the forest people, it's called, in these, these tribal uh, villages that just had no communication with modernity. And one is an incredibly altruistic, other-centered culture. In one is literally everybody just murdering each other and stealing from each other. And yet you know, they're, they're basically the same people, the same DNA separated by enough geography that their cultures just develop differently. So at some root level, socially, and I'm going to argue quasi-religiously, we decided that the better path was that we all do better when we're kind and in service to others. So you mentioned uh, kind of a biblical thing, and and where where did I'm going to ask you this is like a test uh, a Sunday school test? It's been a long time since I've been to been to church. <laughs> one one of those uh, contexts of you know turn the other cheek if you're struck on one cheek if somebody asks you to walk one mile walk two like like the roots of that came from Asia. So you have Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism over there, and it's all about that, not conquering other people, conquering yourself. Then you have the Judaic religions, uh, Islam, Christianity, Judaism, that came out of more of a Western culture. That's where Western culture came from. And think of those oldest sacred texts. It's all about conquering, 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 enslaving. Don't leave a single man, woman, child, or animal. Literally the Old Testament. Yeah. You know, without being murdered, yes. And yeah. so again, you, you see those two distinctions. One culture is all about service and togetherness. And one is, I, I will do anything I can to beat you and win and take everything you have. And we have a choice. We have a choice in our culture, what we want to build. We have a choice in our families and our companies. And it all starts with who we want to be. Yeah, just as you were kind of going through that, I just reminded of the um, uh, the book "Ego Is the Enemy." Uh, was it Ryan Holiday? And I actually got it right here on my on my desktop. And it's yeah, it's just that defeat of of that self ego center of it being all about me, and it 
clearly not working right now. <laughs> like, like, like I, I think that's a kind of an obvious thing and, and maybe just like the best way to, to, to put it is, you know, I was, I was in a, in a therapy session just recently and, you know, I joked about, you know, oh, that's all it took. I had a bit of a breakthrough on something that, you know, I've been working through and it had to do with self-love. And I kind of joked afterwards of, uh, you know, oh, that's all it took. And my, and my therapist, she, she kind of kicked me. She's like, love the most powerful force in the universe. And all you say is, well, oh, that's all it was. And, and I think that is just such a, I think almost a good way of even just talking about this is that, you know, it, it is just that kind of that love and that self-love and, and, and it may sound easy to do, but it does take a lot of that kind of self conquering of, of, you know, whatever that might look like for, for each individual. Well, and, you know, for those listening to us who love the neurochemistry and the biology of this, that's what those hormones for imprinting do. Um, you know, it's why like the, the party drug ecstasy, which pharmaceutically is MDMA, uh, you know, w- when you can release enough serotonin together with somebody in oxytocin, you know, you literally imprint a, a, a relationship with each other and try, try to consider evolutionarily, like why that is, it, it is for self-preservation. Cause if I, if other people like me and I like them, Think how much stronger we are together uh, for the vast, vast, vast majority of our species uh, time on Earth. You know, we lived in bands and tribes of 10, 15, 20 people, and you you had to work together as a unit to, to survive. Yeah. Even but, then you were lucky to make it to 30. <laughs> well, you know, to, to your therapist point, talking about love and is that all there is or, or you know, that's all it took. The most powerful force in the universe. I I did look some things up that you you could argue make it sound cliche, but I'm I'm gonna try to set the stage for a different impact because listen to how profound this is and how repetitive. Um, Service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on Earth, Muhammad Ali. Uh, Life's most persistent and urgent question is: What are you doing for others? Martin Luther King. There is no higher religion than human service. To work for the common good is the greatest creed, Woodrow Wilson. The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others, Gandhi. Like you, you can't find somebody who is historically a person of note on that high social pedestal that I'm describing these people without hearing them say that. And I'll give you one more example that that it comes again, because I think if religion has done anything for us, it's that even though much of religion, much of the formations of some of the religions I mentioned are rooted in conquest and actual literal evil, out of those always spring out something better. That's why there are more than 50,000 Christian denominations, because People find a way to bring what they want into it, and there are more people who want good, who want peace, who want community than those who don't. You're always going to find more people doing that. And I, I remember talking to a pastor one time because I'm, you know, always been interested in psychology and neuroscience and all that. 
And he said, you know, so many people use us, the clergy, as their therapist. Like if you're part of a church, part of a congregation, before you go pay a therapist 150 bucks an hour, you just go talk to the pastor. And he said, my number one thing when people have any kind of anxiety, depression, they just feel out of sorts, is I tell them to do things for other people. Say, hey, you know what? This, you know, I, I loved our chat today. I'm going to think about some things. But hey, can you go take the Johnsons uh, a dinner? You know, they they just had a funeral in their family and and they need some help. Or you know what? We got this project. We're painting this school Saturday. Can you come help us do that? And he said, as soon as I distract people with serving other people, all of their problems just go away. And not only do they feel better, less depressed, less because less, they're focusing on other people, now they're making friends, they're building relationships, they're seeing other people do things, they're seeing people who have, you know, needs greater than their own. And he said, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. That's my job as a pastoral counselor is just getting people to help other to help each other. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because it, it, you know, it almost yeah it forces you to to get out of that egocentric mindset of you know sitting there and we're faced with whatever we're dwelling on yeah it just it forces that distraction that that mind to to get off of it and then yeah there is just something about seeing other people happy just based off of uh of something you've been able to to do for them that didn't cost you anything right just a little bit of effort and yeah, it's uh, it's it's always a good almost just reset, right? Like, oh, okay, like it wakes us up, kind of resets that perspective, um, and then it's something that you can really kind of carry on with you, you know, in that immediate future. Yeah, something as simple as having a training partner. You know, you know how much better your workouts can be. Sometimes you don't want that all the time, but you know, and then within our sport of bodybuilding you know, it takes a community, you know, people do better. Research shows that we do better, even in diet with a, with the help of a professional, having some community member that we are in some kind of service relationship with. Um, you, you go to a bodybuilding contest and who do you remember? Who do you make friends with? The person who is so selfless that they're helping you with your tanning product or they're doing this for you. They're, they're, you know, it's somebody who's just incredibly high other centered. They have that value. That's who you want to be with. And so I would ask, who do you want to be? Like you, you want to be that person who attracts people like that. What do you do if you're an introvert though? That's the name <laughs> of my existence, man. Right? I literally like I it's 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 one of the reasons I want to be that person, but I don't want to have to talk to anybody. <laughs> I force myself to do it. Like um yeah. I was about ready to build a home office and kind of sequester myself one step toward retirement. And and for the exact reason, the only reason. I didn't do that is because I knew it would not be good for myself. I want to go home and be in my home office and just be left alone. But I knew that would be tragic for me because even though it's not my go-to value to seek that out, I do need it and I do want it. So I have to put myself in those positions. I have to make sure I do it. And that's just a cognitive, habitual bit of knowledge that if I don't do it, I will suffer. 
And then I have things I offer other people. Like I'm, I'm giving myself to other people. And so it's just, it's just something you have to do. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I just don't, you know, you brought up such a good question there at the end. <laughs> you stumped me. Um, because that, that, that is, just, that is quite literally like something I've just had to force myself to do. And if you have to force yourself to do something, your first reaction is, well, maybe I shouldn't, but some things are that necessary. And if it goes against your personality traits, you still have to decide that just on sheer discipline and will, that's something I need to do, not just for other people, because it's also reciprocally good for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Definitely one of the, the pros and cons I talk about working at home. You know, go back just just social science one hundred and one, man. I keep I keep going into that whole realm of social psychology because it's it's that juxtaposition of self and community, collectivism and individualism, and and you, you got to have both. And and it's one side of that coin is not easy for everybody. It's we we stick to the side that is more natural to us. Totally. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, hope hope that was interesting to you. I, I love this kind of thing, probably because it is difficult for me. So I, I'm kind of rubbing my nose in it and giving myself a pep talk. But we will see you next time <laughs> with another topic in the Mind Muscle Connection.